hopefully not as long. Maybe, we'll see. <laughs> um, and I'm going to slightly, you know, I was, uh, I'm not, we're not going to read. I will tell you which Bible verse it is if you have your Bibles. But I'm going to tell you the story rather than read the story this morning. Um, and um, our story this morning, so I don't know, obviously, this is a story that not, not everybody has heard. But uh, everyone knows about the war in Ukraine. And there was um, a story put out a particular boy called Misha who was, um, who has Down syndrome and was very non-verbal and was living in Mariupol, however you pronounce it, and had to leave. His parents, um, his mum had to take him away and he was finding the whole thing very stressful, was very resistant, didn't want to go um, and it was incredibly stressful for his mother as well. And so in the end she told him that they had to go out of the country because they were going to go and meet his hero, WWE fighter, John Cena. That was what they were going to do. So they were going to go meet him face to face. So they had to leave the country and that's where they had to go. And so he went happily. He went, oh, I'll go and meet John Cena. That's fine, I'll go. Of course, she hadn't actually planned that at all. However, over in America, John Cena heard this story and thought, I'm going to make that true. And so he flew over to Amsterdam and met this boy face-to-face. Um, and his hero was there. And he showed up in what actually was a really powerful way for the mother and for this boy, Misha. And um, the story today is a little bit like that. It's about God showing up in a really powerful way and doing something amazing and miraculous. And um, I actually <laughs> got to choose the... <laughs> Bible verse this morning, um, which I had forgotten. I'd forgotten I was even teaching it. Was I was on a Zoom call with Billy and and, um, and Simon a couple of weeks ago, and Billy said, "Oh, I'm going to be at uh, going to be at the breakfast." And I said, "Oh, that's lovely." And Simon said, "Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, you're here, Christy. Christy's talking." I was like, "What now? I am now. What's that?" And I went back, and he had asked me months ago, and I had obviously just forgotten <laughs> completely. So he was organised, and I wasn't. But then I was going through when he was on holiday. I was going through going. Oh, I can't find what I was meant to teach on. I can't find any in the emails. I couldn't see it in the messages. And I thought, he must have told me verbally. I can't remember. I'm loath to disrupt him on his holiday, but I did just text him and go, I'm really sorry, what am I meant to teach on? He's like, you can choose it yourself, Christy. I told you that. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's <laughs> like, he, was, he found it funny. So last week when I was praying, actually this story came into my mind. And I have really personal memories of this story. I remember the very first time I heard it was in this very building and it was Lynn because we were at Connect and then Lynn and Joe were there uh, back in the day and Lynn told this story to the children for our youth group, Connect is our youth group that we do and um, I, <laughs> I was just standing in the background going, that's amazing, I didn't know that because I was a new Christian, I was only a few years into my Christian life and walk and so um, it had a lot of meaning and it just fell into my into my prayer when I was praying last week here and I thought okay that's the story I'm going to do so um, this is a, an event that happened in the Old Testament so for those of you who haven't got the reference it's in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse well 16 but I'm going to tell you rather than you have to read it so you can follow along if you like to but, you know. um, now I we're at the point in, so this is the history of Israel. Israel, God's special people. Uh, they're the people that God started from one man and built up to a whole entire nation. There were 12 tribes. It was all, um, you know, they were, all, they were special people to God. And up until a certain point, 
they were led by God. God was their king. And every time they had trouble, God would send a judge in to kind of rule over and, and, they, and a hero would come and save the day. Um, and then they'd move on and that happened a lot. But they got to a point where like, do you know what? We want to be like the cool kids. We want to have a human king as well. Like everyone else around us, they have a king. We want a king. So instead of having God as their king, which I think is the better king, they had human kings. And as they were human... We had, you had good kings, bad kings, <laughs> same kings and bad kings. So <laughs> if anyone has seen a film, has anyone ever seen um, uh, Slipper and the Rose? No? I won't burst into song, it would just be us. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a song that starts with good kings and bad kings anyway. Um, but um, there, there was a period of time where there were a lot of kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. And we've got to King Ahab, who is the king of this particular, in this particular story. And it said that he did, he was the most evil out of all the kings that had been. And I think that was because he and his wife Jezebel wanted people to believe more in these false idols of, of, of Baal and Asherah. And they built all these temples to, to them and they basically started turning people away from God, but this was a nation that God had created especially to show people what it was like to have a relationship with God. So he wasn't very happy about that. So he called Elijah, uh, the prophet, and Elijah went to Ahab and said, okay, let's go and meet on Mount Carmel. I want you to gather people from all over Israel and I want you to bring your 450 prophets that you have for Baal and your 400 prophets for Asher and let's go meet on the mountain. So that is what they did. They went to met on the mountain. And um, Elijah stood in front of all of these people and he said, uh, in 20, verse 21, I'm only reading verse 21, how long will you waver between two opinions? If God, if the Lord is God, now remember last week we had, was it last week or the week before, um, Paul explained that the Lord in the Old Testament is all capitalised and it actually is the name of God, the God's name, not the Lord that we call Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord, but it was a particular name for God. So he said, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And, um, excuse me. Um, <laughs> the people said, whatever children say when you say, what do you want for dinner? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You've got nothing. And then you put dinner on the table and they're like, I don't want that. Um, but the people said nothing so he's like right okay this is what we are going to do there's me I am the only prophet of the Lord and there are 450 prophets of Baal we're each going to build a pyre which is like a, a burning pile and we're going to sacrifice a bull we're going to put a bull on each one and then we're going to call on the name they're going to call on the name of Baal I will call on the name of the Lord and whichever God answers by fire, he is God. And the people were like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds, that sounds reasonable, that sounds good. Let's do that thing. Let's do it. So he said, oh, there's 450 of you, you guys go first. So they built their pyre. See, this is me, this is why I don't do woodwork in the house. They built a pyre and they put, they chopped up their sacrifice, they put it on top, and then they started calling on the name of Baal. Baal! Come down, Baal, come here, Baal, come down. And they started dancing around, however it was they danced around the pile, and they pile, and they called and they called. 
And they said they called from morning till noon, which is hours. I just called for like two seconds and I was bored already. But they were calling and calling, Bail, come down, Bail, be here, Bail, come down. Nothing. They got nothing. And over here, on his side, Elijah's like a very holy man of God. And did what all holy men of God, we think they don't do, started taunting them. And like, uh, surely he should shout louder. He should surely hear you. He is God after all. Maybe he's deep in thought. He could be travelling. Maybe he's travelling. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's asleep. You need to wake him up. So basically mocking them, which made them go even more frenetic. And then it said they grabbed their spears and their swords and they started slashing themselves till their blood flowed, as was their custom. So at that point when they're going, Bail! It's pretty blood, which is But Bail, come down! Bail, we need you! Bail, answer us! All afternoon, they were frenetically calling on the name of Bail. I don't think they could have carried on slicing themselves that long because otherwise, surely they'd have all died. But maybe they took it in turns, I don't know. And nothing, nothing. So then Elijah at evening said, okay guys, my turn, come to me. So he found, I'm going to move them over because I want the space here. So he found there um, an old temple, an old altar that had been dedicated to the Lord that during the reign of one of the kings, I don't know which kings, had been destroyed because sometimes when the kings turned people away from the Lord, they destroyed all their altars and temples and things. And he took 12 stones one for each of the tribes of Israel, and he built this temple up. And then he dug, around the outside of it, he dug a <coughs> trench. It's not a massive, it wasn't a massive trench, I don't think he got like excavator size hole around it, but he dug a trench all the way around it. He put the wood on top, he put the sacrifice on top. And then you would think, that's when he'd start calling on the name of the Lord, but he did not. He started calling on people, and he said, you there. And he had four big jars of water. I don't know how big big is, it just says big. Four big jars of water. So they filled up four big jars of water. They came and he poured it all over the pyre. All four of them. And you'd think that would be enough, but he had a point to prove. So he's like, no, no. Can we do that again? Four more? Four more? So they went and they got four more jars and they poured them all over the All four of them were over the pyre. Again, you might think that was enough, but it was not. Four more! Can I have four more? So he filled it up one last time. Three times he filled up water. He poured it all over and said the water had filled the trench. There was so much water, everything was completely soaked and he had completely filled the trench. And then when it was time, <clears throat> he did not start shouting and waving and dancing around. He stepped forward, it said, and he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Bam! Down came the fire and everything got burnt up and it was instantaneous and there was none of it dancing around. And fire came down and it said it burnt everything. It burnt the soil, it burnt the wood, it burnt the stone, it burnt the sacrifice and it burnt up all the water. There was no water left. It was instantaneous and it was powerful and it was amazing. At which point the people stopped kind of going, oh, yeah, that, that's kind of, you can't deny that. Lay flat on their face, started worshipping, saying, God is, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And um, at which point Elijah said, get up and go and get those prophets of Baal. They've been misleading you. It's time they died. So they caught them and they killed them all off. So <laughs> that is 
the end of the, that is the end of that story, uh, was not a story and it's an event. It's an event. It's something that actually happened. The Old Testament, you know, there's lots of people that can say educationally why the Old Testament is true. <clears throat> For me, I know the Old Testament is true because one day when I started my journey, I was arguing with my friend about how you couldn't believe everything in the Bible because the Bible was old. And then Holy Spirit got me, and the next day I was like, oh, no, everything in the Bible is true. It was instantaneous. I had no, no journey for that one. That was just boom, boom. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so, you know, when you have that conviction, I can't, I didn't formulate that. I, I'm, you know me, I like a good old argument, uh, you know, in fun and love. But <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so, I mean, for me, you can see why I was sort of standing there as a new Christian going, wow, that is awesome. God is amazing. He shows up, he shows up, and he does this amazing thing. And um, I think one of the things, the, the, the main thing that I'm going to talk about this morning and then is, um, is that it's from verse 21 where he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? That's sitting on the fence. And sitting on the fence is something that is so easy to do and something we like to do. I have children that watch sports and they will wait until about five minutes before the end. They're not my own children, I should just say. They're other people's children that I look after. Five minutes before the end, they'll pick their team. <laughs> say, that's the team I want to win because they know they're going to win or they're not. Um, sitting on the fence is very easy to do. And in fact, today, we are challenged by the world that the fence is the only place we can sit because everybody has a right to believe what they want to believe. If this is your way to go to God, that's your way. If you want to believe there's no God, that's fine. If you want to do this, if you want to do that, if you want to believe in piglets that have just been born being the king of all, fine, that's your choice. Or, you know, also, I'm not going to name anything because I don't want to offend anybody, but there are lots of people that say you can believe whatever you want. However, if there is truth, which I believe there is, that's not true. You can't believe whatever you want. There is a God. There can only be one God that created us. There can't be every God that created us. There can be one God that created us. And we have to make that choice. We can't sit on the fence. We can't say, um, I'm going to, you know, follow this and follow that. Or you can follow this and I'll follow that and, and be fine with, with everything. I, as you can tell, and standing here preaching in the chapel to you, I believe all of these. This is all of these I am's that we're surrounded by is basically Jesus saying, no, I am true. It literally says there, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am God. I am the way to God. There is no other way. This is it. It's me and it's me only. Which is very um, against what people say. Now, it is also very inclusive in the fact that nobody who has ever gone to Jesus and said, I want to be with you, has been turned away. Never. No matter what they've done. So it's very inclusive. We're not um, saying that people cannot, nobody can go to um, heaven anybody can go to heaven but you just have to go on the right path there's only one path all paths do not lead to heaven only one and so um we my point is that we can't sit on the fence and there are two points in this that i think will probably sort of help make my point so the first point is so in verse 22 is like there's i am the only one of the lord's prophets left and there are 450 prophets of baal because Baal is obviously quite the trend at the time. Mm. My point one is that, as they discovered, trendy does not equal true. And I think we can look through the annals of fashions of history and go, we know that trendy doesn't equal true. We women have been 
unfairly labelled with being all fainting and weary, but that's because we had to wear corsets, which restricted our breathing, which meant that we kept fainting because we couldn't breathe properly. That was why. <laughs> Trendy, definitely not a good idea. And skinny jeans apparently can cause compartment syndrome, so anyone who, you know, wants to wear them, that's fine, but you, they're not so healthy. Um, crinolines, as you know, those big, big Victorian crinolines that people used to wear, caused fires, killed people that wore them, killed people around them, because they were basically just too big and they were very dangerous. Um, the stiff collars that men wore, they're not completely out, were called father killers. Did you know that? They were called father killers, because they basically were so tight, they cut off with me. Um, foot binding, where you, you know, breaking your foot in half so that you can follow a standard of beauty. All these trends you could say, trendy, not a good idea. Don't even get me started on social media. Oh my word. <laughs> there are some that are just disgusting, and one of them which I can't bear, and it's like people just switch off their brains. One of them is going into a store and getting something like ice cream, licking it, and then putting it back. Yeah, how disgusting is that? But people are doing it by the hundreds and thousands because somebody else has done it, so they're just going to follow on the trend. No thought goes into that. What's well, sorry, it's disgusting, isn't it? Um, and just in general, messing around with, with food in stores. I know, you know, the shock of oh, yeah. So just look out for lick marks <laughs> or, or breaking the seal. If there's a seal that's broken, don't buy it. Um, and then, but then there's, I mean, there's also ones that you sort of think, actually properly dangerous there was that whole Tide Pod challenge which was basically eating personal tablets that was a really big thing eating a spoonful of cinnamon that was a really big thing and, these, and it was flocked to and I, there were loads of videos and people were hospitalised people died because they followed these trends that were not true trendy is, is not good for you in fact and I have with the greatest pleasure can say God not trendy at all we try and make him trendy but a trend comes and goes, and God was there in the beginning, has been all the way through, and will be there in the end. He doesn't come and go. He is all the time. He is forever. And in fact, not only is he forever, he continually shows up and shows up and shows up and shows up. And, you know, there's that interaction that we have with God constantly from the beginning of time where he has come and spent time with us and been with us that shows not only is he constant, but he also has a heart for being with us. You know, he wants us and he, he loves us and that's what it is. So um, that is one of the points that I was, you know, thought was quite Im- important. And then the other one was this one where it talks about their custom in verse 28 of slashing themselves with swords and spears. And, um, and then Elijah, when he did it, he got the stones and he, he rebuilt what was there. We've talked about this rich history that we have with God where he has shown up again and again. And, and Elijah built an altar and they harmed themselves because they thought they had to work their way to something bigger. They thought they had to do something themselves. False idols are the things that we believe in that are against God, harm us. They harm us because they, even if they don't, they don't feel harmful, they harm us because if we're taken away from time with God... That harms us because actually the best thing for us is to spend time with God. And you think about lots of um, religions, and religion is a false idol. And even Christianity religion can be a false idol. You know, we are not exempt. We have done many things wrong when we change something from being faith to religion, um, which I'll talk about in a minute. uh, That's where we trip up. But, you know, religion is 
is, is making child marriages happen, is making FGM happen, which is awful, which is making scarification and honour killings and suicide being honourable. And it's the harm. It causes people harm. And like I said, even if it's just something very simple of, you know, we'll go into the field and think about the tree and say to the tree, thank you for being there. Well, the tree was not instrumental in its being there. God was <laughs> instrumental in its being there. So you say thank you to God. So anything that takes away from God is a false idol and is harmful. It's harmful to us and it hurts us. And God builds us up. I, I, I really, was, I've never really noticed the building of the, the, the um, altar before in such a way. I really felt that kind of contradiction between what they did and hurting themselves and then um, Elijah calling on all that rich history of God showing up and being with us and, and having a history with him and having, you know, that relationship and building this altar because what God does is he builds us up and anything that comes from God builds us up. Even if something is hard, it doesn't mean it's bad. We can go through some really difficult times and really difficult things, but ultimately... <coughs> It will lead to something good. So thinking about a marathon, if you're tra- I will never, ever train for a marathon. <laughs> Just put that out there. But some people who have trained for marathons tell me, you know, it's hard work. And there are times when you feel awful and there are times when everything on your body hurts and there are times when you want to and are sick. There's, it's not great. But yet you have that final outcome of going on this marathon and feeling that sense of victory and that sense of... You've done something that you've worked hard towards. And that is what God does. So we may find troubles, things that happen hard, but ultimately if it's building us up towards that kingdom in heaven, then it's good. You know, so God wants good things for us. He wants to build us up. And I think one of the things that I love is that before this story, Elijah had gone to an individual. He'd gone to one woman and her son and God had performed a miracle that would save their lives through the rest, because there was a famine. And he made, an, basically, has anyone read the magic everlasting porridge pot? He basically made an everlasting flower pot and oil pot so they would always have bread. And so they survived. So God loves the individual. He loves you personally and cares about you personally and knows about you personally. But he also has a heart for everybody he wants everybody to know which is why he then turned up and called all of Israel to see what power he had it was you know he loves the the masses but the truth is God doesn't actually need us he didn't need us to go and worship him God is God he is completely self-sufficient he has himself he has love he has power he has everything that he could ever want he doesn't need us but he wants us and actually, the reverse, we need him, and we often don't want him, which is a sad truth, but we need him. We don't, we don't, we aren't needed by him because he is everything that he needs in himself. But yet he chooses, it says, uh, I'm going to see if I can find the verse, I didn't mark it off, but now I've, um, no, I'm not going to find it. But basically it says somewhere, it might be just before, that his heart was for Israel. His heart was for Israel is, 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 is us. And so, um, you know, I've just remembered I was going to say something about Christianity becoming religion. Faith becomes religion when we start putting rules into place of how we should um, behave ourselves to get to God. So some people, you know, they scourge themselves when they do 
in, uh, um, nuns and things can scourge themselves because they have to beat the sin out of them. They've got to repent. Some, uh, you know, say, well, I have got to go to church every Sunday. And if I don't go to church, then that's going to, um, you know, that's going to get me in trouble. Or I have got anything that you make into a law instead of a good idea <laughs> is, is, is changing something that is meant to be a loving into something that is onerous. And that is not what God wants for us. You know, we've got to think about when I stand before God and he says to me, Christy, why should I let you into heaven? I am not going to stand there and say, I preached at chapel, I taught the connect for years and years and I, I, I was kind to people and I've done this and I've done that and I've done the other. That is not going to get me into heaven at all. In fact, what is going to happen, he's going to say to me, Christy, how, why should I let you into heaven? And I'm going to say, oh, because I'm with Jesus. Jesus said that he uh, can get me in because I've done wrong things, but Jesus paid that price. He's paid my entry to heaven. I'm with him. I can't do it on my own. And that is the only thing that's going to get me into heaven. Nothing else matters. Nothing else that we do matters. The only, and I am so unqualified to stand here and tell people how to, how to be good Christians. Because I'm a terrible Christian. I'm so selfish. I'm so selfishly motivated. And not people don't see it. But I am selfishly motivated. And I, the only thing I think that I can adequately and very, 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 very oftenly do is acknowledge that I can't do it myself. That the only thing I have going for me is that I love Jesus and Jesus is going to do it for me. And actually, that's the same for all of us. And then the things that we do come from that. They come from love. So me standing here in front of you comes from not thinking that it's going to get me any brownie points, but I love God. I love Jesus. And I want to tell you that that's all you need. Is All you need is Jesus. And so, um, you know, we're all sitting on a fence. I, we have, and we've got to get off the fence. So we have some people who might be on the fence of, well, God might exist, but so might something else, and I don't know. And maybe this is your chance this week to have a think about which side of the fence you really think you're on. Does God exist? And if God does exist, how does that change how you're living your life? But then even I am firmly on the, I'm in God's territory. I'm totally in. There's no part of me that's on the other side of the fence. I 100% no doubt God exists and I'm on his side. But I have lots of my own fences of little false idols that keep me from spending time with God. One of them, my, big, my, biggest, my biggest things is actually reading. I read far too much tut that has no value whatsoever, but I can literally spend days, I do spend days, reading something, <clears throat> and that's time that I could, and I'm not saying that God says don't read, He's saying, <clears throat> maybe spend more time with me and read. <laughs> maybe do some other things that I've asked you to do and read. It, it shouldn't become the be-all and the end-all. And that we all have things. Phones, social media, TV, <clears throat> listening to the radio, I don't know. <laughs> you know, whatever it is that, that can take... We all have fences that we sit on that take away from our, our, our sitting wholly on God's side. And maybe that's the challenge for you this week, to think about what fences can you get off <clears throat> what fences can you get out of your little grassy area in God's side of the garden? So, <coughs> sorry, my dairy cough is coming back. So, <clears throat> let's pray about that.
And um, I challenge you this week to go away and just have a think about those fences and um, have that relationship with God. It's nothing to do with me. You don't have to tell me. You can, but you don't have to tell me. You don't have to go, well, I did this. Okay. Father God, thank you that your heart is for us. Thank you that your love for us is beyond anything that we can possibly imagine. Thank you that you are a God who shows up. You show up again and again and again. On, on a big scale and in our own individual lives.